0: If you're watching this channel, it's because you don't enjoy watching the world squander what Christendom built, but you want to do your part. And chances are you've heard me mention a great means by doing just that. Email made by and for Catholics. Check out fidee That's F-I-D-E-I dot email. Built for Catholic individuals, families, organizations, and groups. They're private, secure, and of course, they're Catholic. And they're offering two months off on your first year for an annual subscription if you enter the coupon code return to tradition without spaces that's the name of this channel without spaces at checkout. Today we have a tale of two bishops speaking out and facing pushback for speaking the truth. The two bishops are Joseph Strickland and Carlo Maria Viganò. Viganò had a blistering interview with Catholic Family News that was published late on Friday and I went over some of the details of that in my Sunday live stream specifically about the validity of the election of Francis to the papacy, the corrupt element among the cardinals, and the likelihood of the next conclave bringing a decent successor to Francis. I do recommend that you watch that today if you want. Today we'll go over something else here, the price for speaking the truth. As we'll see, Bishop Strickland has been the subject of a sustained campaign of evil attacks, leveled against him by papaliters, and those formerly complicit in aiding Francis tear down the Catholic Church, those who willingly help him build the Synodal Church, the ape of the Church. Recently, Strickland spoke truthful words on Twitter that caused some people to lash out at him in an entirely too predictable way. We'll compare that to an accusation Archbishop Vicano is making about the unnamed members of the College of Cardinals, whom he says know that Francis is not a valid Pope, but they keep that to themselves for unknown reasons. That accusation that Francis is invalid is made by Vigano, by the way. That's not me making that accusation, it's Archbishop Vigano. It's his most blunt accusation to be date to this date. But let's get to the story. But of course, before that, I wanted to thank the patrons and channel members for supporting the work of this channel. They help keep the lights on here at Return to Tradition HQ for only like a dollar or two a month. And they get access to weekend videos a few days early. So if you want to become a patron, check out the links to Patreon, Subscribestar, or that Join button below. They also get access to the occasional uh, extra things that I don't put on this main channel here. Now thanks, and now we turn our attention to Bishop Strickland, who some have called America's bishop. And I'm always cautious about turning any of the better bishops into these superheroic figures. And I caution anyone from doing that with Strickland or, frankly, anyone else. At some point, every single one of the better bishops says or does something disappointing. And instead of putting any of them on a pedestal, pray for them to have greater faith and the fortitude to withstand the attacks leveled at them. I know they do appreciate the par- your prayers, by the way. Now, that having been said, though, on Twitter a few days ago, Bishop Strickland shared an article from Crisis Magazine comparing Veritatis Splendor to Amoris Laetitia. He said the following, quote, From this article, while Veritatis Splendor is in continuity with scripture and tradition, Amoris Laetitia represents a radical breach with both. Catholics must decide which option they prefer. Choose wisely. I choose Veritatis Splendor. End quote. Now this is interesting because one of the criticisms Bishop Strickland has received has been that until this tweet he had pretty consistently said, including in a document that had been on his till recently on his official website, that his Morris Letizia was fine and a beautiful document inspired by scripture. Now those criticizing him for that statement are frankly right to do so. This tweet, though, does look like at least a soft retraction of those statements. Now it'll be interesting to see how his more traditional critics treat this statement if they respond at all. But is traditionalist critics not the ones we're concerned with here? No, you see, we're going to turn our attention to people who think Bishop Strickland is evil. Because apparently, criticizing Francis makes you evil. Not the things Francis does, nor the things his allies do. No. Criticizing and opposing his heterodox work makes you evil. From where Peter is, we get this headline. Is Stricken Strickland slouching towards schism? The answer, of course, for me and most of you watching this is, of course, no, he's not. He's defending the integrity of the faith against subversive attempts to destroy it. But, of course, that's not what the modernist critics of Strickland will say. They begin by talking about that tweet I mentioned, Veritatis Splendor versus Amoris Letizia Now, the author of this piece, one Mr. Mike Lewis, goes on to quote Bishop Strickland at length. And like I said in the past, he had been very supportive of Amoris Letizia Mr. Lewis proves this by quoting that statement I mentioned from Strickland's own website. He quotes Strickland's own words for us. Strickland says of Amoris Laetitia that the document, quote, recalls the essential aspects of the church's teaching on marriage and the family, which are based on divine revelation found in sacred scripture and sacred tradition. And then he says the document, quote, provides important guidance to pastors on marriage and how it is meant to be read in light of veritatis splendor, Humane vitae, and Casti Canubi, as well as with the Councils of Trent and other magisterial documents and proclamations. These accusations have been made before, like I said, by traditional critics of Strickland. Then Mr. Lewis hits Bishop Strickland with this, quote, the bishop has made many bizarre and controversial statements on many topics in recent weeks, many of which are worth exploring. His recent statement on Amoris Letizia, however, is interesting, because it seems to indicate a clear shift in the bishop's views over the years. The 2016 article no longer appears on his website. A placeholder saying, Article undergoing update appears instead, although it can still be found on the Internet Archive, for now anyway. Although subtle, the deletion of his earlier blog post and his endorsement of the article in Crisis likely points to a deeper story about the bishop falling under the influence of the type of radical Catholic extremists who have sought to bring down Pope Francis since the beginning of his papacy, end quote. There's a certain alarmism undertone to this whole thing. Mr. Lewis, though, then does go on to describe an influential article by a critic of Amoris Laetitia that has influenced traditional approaches to correcting Amoris Laetitia, though Mr. Lewis won't characterize it that way, of course. But then he says this, quote, Sadly, it seems that Bishop Strickland continues to persist in his opposition to the Pope and his magisterial teachings. He consistently tweets articles from publications like Crisis and LifeSite News that are sliding without shame towards schism, which... As a canon lawyer, the bishop should know is defined as the refusal of submission to the Roman pontiff or of communion with the members of the church subject to him. See, the Code of Canon Law, number 751. On a recent episode of the Bishop Strickland Hour, however, the bishop gave a rambling and fairly novel definition of the term, saying that word has been buzzing around a lot. Now what we have to remember that to be schismatic is to turn from the teaching of Christ, from the deposit of the faith, from the ancient magisterial teachings of the church, from the catechism. That's what schism is. Note how he frames the definition. He makes no reference to communion with the Pope, who is the church's, quote, perpetual and visible principle and foundation of unity. See Vatican II document, Lumen Gentium, number 88. Strickland also mentions that the need to follow, quote, the ancient magisterial teachings of the Church, which, given as statements about the Pope, can easily be read in contrast to the living magisterium of the Church, the teachings of the Pope and the bishops in communion with him. This is an implicit rejection of many papal teachings, including that of Lumen Fide, the first encyclical Pope Francis promulgated, written primarily by Pope Benedict, which taught, quote, the magisterium always speaks in obedience to the original word upon which faith is founded, and it is trustworthy because it trusts in the word which it listens to, guards, and explains. See Lumen Fide, paragraph 49. and very lengthy quote. Mr. Lewis goes on to rattle off names of Protestants and important traditionalist leaders like Archbishop Lefebvre and Bishop Williamson, and puts them all in the same category, which is a dishonest attack on traditional Catholicism in general, but I think you see the point. Opposition to Francis is opposition to the so-called living magisterium. That term, living magisterium, is one of those terms that should be a red flag for people because it immediately alerts you to the fact that the person using the term is advocating for progressive changes to the magisterium under the guise of obedience to the authorities in the church. The concept of a living magisterium is like when someone says the U.S. Constitution is a living document. You hear the term living constitution and should be subject to changed interpretation as the particular moment in history requires. And here we see the accusation that Strickland is a Protestant being made. Because according to the author of that piece, Strickland has made himself the arbiter of what is the teachings of the church. That is, of course, not true. Anyone with eyes to see can read magisterial documents from before the revolution of Vatican II and see that quite many of the teachings of the church have actually been changed, some not terribly subtly, that there are things that are said during the council and after that conflict with statements made by formal church documents from before the council. And anyone paying attention knows that Francis and Cardinal Roach and a few others have said that the hermeneutic of continuity no longer applies. Now, they didn't say it explicitly, but they did say it in dressed-up language t- when talking about the so-called new ecclesiology of Vatican II. The question at hand is this. Are do we be loyal to the man who sits on the throne of Peter, or to the faith when we have reason to believe that those in positions of authority are trying to destroy the church and are the cause of scandal themselves? The answer to that question is one of the subjects of an interview that Archbishop Vigano gave to Catholic Family News. You see, in his interview... Mac Gaspers, asking Vigano about the scandals caused by Francis and what we are to do about them, he asks a very pertinent question, and Vigano responds by pointing out what should be obvious at this point. The scandals for Francis are by design. The scandals are launched on purpose and with purpose. Quote, it is difficult, and I think many will agree with me, to identify the single issue that has had the most negative influence out of all of Bergoglio's actions and words. His every gesture is deliberately provocative and histrionic, deliberately designed to leave the interlocutor baffled, or to offend him, or to make fun of him. Those who think that Bergoglio is naive are mistaken. His every word is spoken with the purpose of arousing scandal, distancing himself from all his predecessors, and criticizing the church's past falsifying it and misrepresenting it with irritating simplifications. And above all, he never affirms. If you have noticed, his most controversial utterances are not the result of an autonomous statement, but the answer to questions asked by others according to the directions they have received, giving the appearance that the topic has been chosen by the interviewer or interlocutor. It is curious if you pay attention that all of his most puzzling statements— From who am I to judge to his latest zinger, God loves you as you are, are answers to questions. Bergoglio himself confirmed this during the press conference returning from Portugal when he said, thank you for the courage to ask this question. Thank you. In practice, regardless of the topic, all Bergoglio's words are based a priori on a fiction, a lie. In some cases, these manipulations take place with systems that are more elaborate, but always dishonest and disloyal think of the maneuvers to impose his agenda at the recent synods and his absolute contempt for the rules add to this the mocking contempt with which he attributes to other circumstances and other people what he ostentatiously does first himself beyond all the individual scandals i believe that the greatest damage done to the church by this pontificate quote unquote has been the discredit and dishonor that has been thrown on the papacy on the church on the clergy, and on the faithful. His hatred for tradition knows no end. And this necessarily has repercussions on what is a natural expression of that tradition, doctrine, morality, liturgy, and spirituality. The demolition is systematic and starts mainly from authority, which is corrupt and subservient to the enemy, abusing its power for the opposite purpose to that which legitimizes it. The democratization of the church, Conciliar quote-unquote collegiality and Bergoglio's quote-unquote synodality are all colossal lies behind which tyranny hides. The parallel with government subjected to the elite is evident and confirms the single coordination of the two subversive actions. Both institutions, as we see, are discredited and delegitimized by those who hold positions of authority. In this way, if in the future this crisis should come to an end, restoring trust in the church and restoring her authority will be almost impossible humanly speaking. End lengthy quote. I think the key words are at the end are humanly speaking. But the Strickland and Vigano questions come down to this. Legitimacy of authority. The problem Strickland's critics have is that he questions what they consider to be legitimate authority, which is Catholics we apparently shouldn't do. But the question they refuse to address is this. Can authority lose its legitimacy? And a related question for those who don't think Francis has ever been pope to begin with, can someone be denied authority while having the illusion of it because they either don't have the faith, which is frankly hard to determine most of the time, although maybe not in this one, or because they broke fundamental rules regarding the process of, of the process of well getting a new pope? The critics aren't going to answer that question, or if they do, they'll say it's not the job of the laity to make such determinations. That is in substance allowing the faithful to be subject to potential Pied Piper popes who lead the faithful off a cliff. But I'm curious what you have to say about this. So, let me know in the comments, please. Like and subscribe if you haven't. It does help. So to sharing this on social media, that helps a lot, too. And again, thanks to the patrons and channel members for their support of Return to Tradition. It is greatly appreciated. And God bless you for it. And as always, pray for the church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.